Arriving in Singleness, episode 43. This is the Thriving in Singleness podcast, where it's not about surviving, but thriving in this chapter of your life. Here's your host, Tom DeLong. Hello and welcome to the Thriving in Singleness podcast. Tom here, and we got Josh with us as usual. Hey, Josh, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great as usual. Um, I would say that's the majority of my my common response is doing great. Yeah, um, doing great. So that's a great I got to stick with that. But be. also, I want to comment on the shirt that you're wearing. Uh, you have a DC Talk shirt on, yes. which I didn't. <laughs> I just noticed, and it's a classic shirt. I saw yeah. them in concert. Yes, quite a few years back, but I also got their autograph back in the day. Oh, it's on that's a, amazing. I got their autograph, and it's on a visor because that was very popular in you know two thousand and six. I don't know. Remember? Remember when visors were popular? Oh yeah, they're yeah, kind of definitely. popular now. But remember when they mm-hmm. were really popular? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And um, yeah, like I of course you know we're recording back to back tonight, so it's ho- so hard to like do small talk again but we're doing great but i didn't notice the shirt the first episode it's because i didn't have my camera tilted down i was like <sighs> we, we took our break in great between. conversation like, man they didn't say anything about my shirt <laughs> i wore it just like so they'd say something about it and i was like i gotta tilt the camera down just a little bit so you see the dc talk yeah because oh man yeah that's so i'm glad you said something <laughs> you should put this shirt in the show notes what is, are they wearing suits uh yeah I see this i was, can see the yeah oh, the intermission classic. tour that's when I that's when I saw the intermission, which but was... But do you know their names? Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. Uh, do you know Toby Mack, Kevin Max, yeah. and Michael, and Michael and Tate. Tate, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, this listeners... was DC Talk before his news <laughs> Before he was, you know... In before his Audio Adrenaline, just... and then Newsboys, and then Toby Mack. Yeah. We, we, we didn't know what was happening when the intermission album came out. We didn't know. Like, we thought, okay, like, they're not done yet. But then they were done, and I think we're still not over it. So yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, but you know the rap because the rap, the rap is like the Decently Toby enough. Mac, and the Mac is back, no slack. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. I used yeah, to know all the like, words. Just saying. Oh wow, that's amazing, and it's it's weird to think like we we look at the time of DC Talk and we think of it as like this this long period of time, but I'm pretty sure Toby Mac has been solo longer than DC Talk was DC Talk. I'm pretty sure, and that's weird to think about. Yeah, Toby Mac's been going solo yeah. for quite a while at this point. But, yeah, I want to make sure we at least introduce our guests. Bethany has been able to join in the conversation <laughs> without even, like, being introduced. So, yeah, we got Bethany Sorry. Anderson with us. No, it's totally fine. Love you joining in. So, Bethany, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm awesome. Awesome. And uh, so how, tell, us, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am sitting here in McKinney, Texas right now where it is, like, 105 degrees. Oh, man. And... The heat index two days ago was 122, so that's fun. But I am home right now, but I'm usually not in the United States. I'm usually somewhere around the globe, and I just happen to be home for a little bit of a break and refocus, reset on the ministry that I lead, which is called the Hope Adventure. And it's really just all about igniting hope around the world um, through connecting with people and just sharing the love of God. So Awesome. That's that's really great to hear. So, how long have you been with the Hope Adventure? 
Well, it is my own ministry that I started a couple years ago. Uh, oddly enough, it actually started through a podcast that I run called The Hope Adventure. Okay. And it was just about collecting stories of God around the world. But I've been on and off the mission field for over 20 years. So wow. it's kind of like an organic growth into now The Hope Adventure is kind of the culmination of all the years of life and ministry that have gone before that. So Cool. So you've been in and out of missions for for 20 years like tell us about something i, I want to hear about the incredible adventures that that you've been on in that time oh man uh well just just as a start i have lived in six countries on four continents or five i i literally have lost track but basically it's france switzerland south africa mm-hmm. england australia the united states and then i spent a pretty good chunk of time in italy as well and a lot of that was mission work. I was working for different mission agencies. And also, I like to call myself a freelance missionary during some of that time because I just kind of go where the Lord sends oh, me. Yeah. And then people partnered and supported and empowered that. And yeah, I mean, I have crazy stories of just the church around the world and just the hope of God being alive across nations and different expressions and what that looks like. And a really cool opportunity to get a pulse on. Yeah, his his aliveness, his light globally um, through different uh, regions around the world. And yeah, it's exciting. I'm definitely not complaining about the calling he's put on yeah, my life. Yeah, so. you can't complain about that. I mean, you're you're you talking know. about countries that you've lived in and trying to make sure like you've counted them all. Like you've been in so many countries, you've lost count. Just like I've had so many speeding tickets, I've lost <laughs> count of like how many I've had there and what states I've been pulled over in. Like, like right, that is phenomenal right. on your part. Yeah, no, it's really cool. I mean, it's definitely a unique calling, and I've had some really cool experiences, and I I also have just friends all over the world. Like, I don't want to say none of my best friends live in the United States, but my closest soul friends is what I call them, mm-hmm. mostly don't live in this country. Nothing against America. I just, they're just in other places. So mm-hmm. anyway, it's kind of fun. That's awesome. And so, like, what drew you into into missions? Oh, gosh. Um, Speaking of DC Talk earlier, not that we planned that by any means, (laughs) but they were a huge, um, they were actually quite instrumental in my faith and my upbringing. Grew up in a Christian uh, family and home, super involved in the youth. And I remember when I was uh, 14, I had already, you know, sort of made the decision to follow Jesus when I was seven. But when I was 14, I was sitting at church camp in Oklahoma probably in a hundred degree weather there as well. And there was a missionary preaching in this huge room. I mean, there's thousands of students and he was kind of doing an altar call for missions, if you will. And I remember him like pointing out to the audience and saying, God could call you to be a missionary and he could call you to Africa. And he was like wagging his finger and pointing across different space. He could call you to China. He could call you to wherever. And I remember sitting as a 14 year old girl in the really rock hard plastic chair that I was on, mm-hmm. like, like sitting on my hands, kind of like cowering inward going, please God, don't call me to Africa. Please God, don't call me to Africa. And then he did, because all I know is I just got up and went to the front and like said, God, I'm giving my life to ministry and missions. And I don't know what that looks like as a 14 year old girl, but, uh, here I am. Send me. So that's where it all started. That's awesome. And then it actually came true, which is probably another story, but yeah, that's where it started. So that's cool. And that's literally like the title of episode three, like here I am, send me like, that's so cool. 
Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and I do want... It's straight from scripture, so you know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I do want to have like a little, little slip, another DC Talk slip in here. So like Michael Tate is my ultimate goal as a guest on this podcast. Like I really want to have yes. him as a guest. I've, I've probably said it several times, but if you're listening, Michael Tate, of course it's, we're, we're going to drop this way after, but tomorrow I will be in Franklin, Tennessee at my cousin's house, which is the same town you're in hoping for a random run in. We'll see. But otherwise I, I hope someday to have, have him on the podcast. So we'll see about that. Well, let's just but. believe that's prophetic. And by the time that this podcast is released, you will now have a story about encountering Michael Tate in a coffee shop in downtown yeah. Franklin or something. How like cool that. would that yeah. be? That's the prayer. That's a prayer right there. Prophetic mm-hmm. prayer. Yes. And then you can say, I'm an episode it. dropping. Yeah. And then listen to it. This is the the evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Love my, it. my cousin Love it. had a had a random run in with Toby Mac at like TJ Maxx and like. You know, it's, it, it's cool. He's like right in their town. I'm like, man, that's just so exciting to me. <laughs> that's hilarious because the first thing I thought is, again, we went back to the rap earlier, Toby, Mac, and the TJ Maxx. It just like it all does, fits yeah. kind of like <laughs> in that. That's kind of lame, but whatever. It all goes to you picking your shirt today wearing that TJ Maxx I know. I, I know. There, there is like a little bit of like I did that on purpose involved in that. But um, <laughs> it, it is my conversational shirt for the – particular groups that i know it's going to resonate with (laughs) so that's awesome yeah so so bethany what like what do you think god has been teaching you lately in your singleness i'd love to just like you know dive in because it seems like you've been in so many adventures and god's been doing so many cool things in your life and i love seeing seeing people that that live it out and they're just glorifying god in the process not just waiting on sidelines to expect a spouse is going to be what makes their life exciting. I mean, like what, what has God been teaching you in that? Wow. That is an awesome question. And I would say, you know, I, I want, I don't want to reveal my age here, but I'm not like a young single, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I have a little bit of, I'm what I like to call a seasoned single. Okay. And yeah, it's, it's one of those things where if I look at my life now and I look at myself three years ago, or even, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, I'm in a totally different place than I am uh, back then than I was back then. And that is just God's grace and the journey that he's invited me on with him. And I think at some point, there was a shift in my heart of like going from, oh, it's okay to be single, it's okay to be in a season of singleness, to like, no, really, really, really believing that there that that is the truth. Mm-hmm. And not, this is not just words. It's not just, um, yeah, just like something that you say to kind of get by. That's like a crutch for you of like, no, God has a plan and purpose. No, like I really felt like he invited me on this intimate journey with him and to know who he was. And, um, I didn't mention this earlier, but one of the things that I do is I'm a spiritual director. Mm -hmm. And what that means is I meet with people one-on-one and I literally just hold space with them to connect with God where they are. I do that by facilitating questions or doing exercises or pointing them back to scripture, but just really walking with them. And I feel like that's what the Lord invited me into several years ago. And yeah, I just, I think his presence with me is a really tangible thing at times. And so one of the things I get asked in my travels a lot as a single in particular is, do you ever get lonely? Do you feel alone? And it's not that I don't have that sometimes, but the reality is that I feel like God is with me. Like he yeah. is Emmanuel, God with us. And I, I could tell you 
several like encounter moments where I literally felt like Jesus was sitting across the table from me. Wow. And that has kept me uh, really tuned in on him. I mean, I'll just give you one example. Um, right before I went on this, last July, I embarked on a nine-month project called the Hope Adventure Project, where I was just following the Holy Spirit around the world. And I had this vision of Jesus with like an army green backpack on saying, come on, let's go. Mm-hmm. And throughout my journey, I would have these moments where I'd be traveling on a train by myself or on a plane and feeling like he was sitting next to me. And I just, it was just something that I came back to and just felt like, it's okay. He's with me. I can do this. I'm not actually alone, you know? Yeah. That's so comforting as well. Like just feeling his presence is, is just an incredible thing. Yeah. So has God laid the desire of marriage on your heart? Um, yes. And I want to be careful how I answer that question because I, I don't know that I'm a person who believes that just because of the desires there that the mm-hmm. Lord gives it to you. Maybe that's controversial. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm actually just like kind of verbally processing that because I mm-hmm. think when you are single and a believer, uh, it's like, oh, well, but if you have the desire, the Lord's going to bring it to you. I, I'm not sure that that's the promise. So where I find myself mm-hmm. in that is I do have the desire. And mm-hmm. I can 100% say if that never happens, I feel fulfilled. Like I yeah. feel like I'm living a life that he's called me to. And whereas I used to see singleness as like a bit of a thorn in my flesh, I actually mm-hmm. see it as a gift. And it feels like a really special invitation in the season of life, however long the season is. You know, maybe it's forever, maybe it's not. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and that's that's a really good point. And, it, and it's reason to be cautious about that. I mean, I think in the sense like, you know, I might have the desire in my heart to be a millionaire. You know, but if that never right. happens, <laughs> right. you know, just because I have that desire doesn't mean it's definitely definitely going to happen. But it's it's something that. In the meantime, I'm still going to live my life in a glorifying way to God, and I'm going to honor him in the process, but I'm not going to let that desire be what drives me. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, I don't know, like, I think it's a dangerous thing to generalize that statement. I think sometimes we do that in our faith as we say, well, if you want it, God will give it to you. But that's not true. We know that's not true. I mean, look at, look at stories of, men and women through the Bible where that's like, see, cause the thing is, is God did not promise a life of comfort. He promised that he would be with us. Like that's his greatest promise is that he's with us, that he died for us and he loves us, but he's with us. And I think sometimes we can kind of get mixed up and think, well, I want this thing so bad. Well, that's maybe not the promise he gave for you, but he yeah. did promise he'll be with you. you yeah. Know? And it's like my favorite set of verses. Uh, I believe it's Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And it, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your desires to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So it doesn't say present yeah. those desires to God and then he will give them to you. It says like the peace of God will transcend over over you and he will guard your hearts yeah. and minds in Christ Jesus. And so we, we're called to present our desires to God. And that's an important thing for us to to do, to to constantly be making sure we are presenting those desires to God. But... You know, we need to allow allow that peace to to transcend over us and be be at peace of okay. You know, it maybe 
that's not what God has for me, or maybe that's not what God has for me yet. But in the meantime, I'm going to continue seeking him out and seeking out what he has for me and what he wants to teach me in this moment. So, yeah, definitely. Like, Yeah, I think that's, no, I think that's a really good point. And I think one of the questions that I have learned to ask along the way, kind of in regards to that is, God, what it, what do you want me to know in this moment? Like, what do you want to teach me? What do you, what do you want me to know about myself? What do you, what do you want me to know about you? And I think the other question that I've learned to ask is, what glorifies you the most in this situation? And that's not always the thing that we want. Oftentimes it's like actually choosing the harder road or the thing that we don't want. Yeah. So it's, it's not so black and white, is it? I mean, not that we all think it is, but I think sometimes we try to, you know, make it like it is. Yeah. Yeah. As Christians, we always try to get it right. And it's, you know, we always want to try and try and be looking and and seeking and searching in, in God's word and, and, Getting it as right as possible. It's it's funny because the yeah. narrative around like the desire to get married, the desire, you know, oh, do you do you enjoy singleness, all that? It's it's really kind of overcome or it's it's engulfed relationships. But how often do we have that mm-hmm. conversation around what do you desire to do for God? Like, like mm-hmm. what do you, what do you feel like the will? for your life is from God. Not that's, that's a non-relationship, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's the desire Mm -hmm. we really need to, to promote. Like what is the desire that God's putting on your heart to, to bring him glory, to, to really bring people to him? Because oftentimes we have this, we create this selfish desire, which is still, and you know, marriage can, can be a, a selfish desire or a selfless desire. It's kind of the way you you look at it. But we we have this narrative around desires and 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 how you you know oh do you really want this? And then we try to have these these answers that are you know we look through the Bible and we say oh God God must have this for you. And I know I've looked. There's nowhere in the Bible that says you know guarantees marriage for anyone. Mm-hmm. And I, I I cringe at times when I hear people who say it in good terms that say, oh, don't worry, God has someone for you, which is not biblical at all. But we have to say that when we believe that marriage is better than singleness or God must have that for someone. When we could say God has the best for you, seek that. And that's only found in in your walk with him personally. Like we need to focus on those Mm -hmm. desires of what has God put on your heart? Like that's between you and him that has nothing that is not primarily based on another person or another relationship. Those are the desires we need to promote towards any person, single or married, to say, what is God calling you to do? What is the the, the passions and, and the purposes he's put on your heart? Don't worry about relationships as much. That might be a part of it. But the, you know, that, the sad reality is we put a lot of pressure on people who you, relationships are two-sided. You can't force yourself into a relationship because the other person in a moment could be like, I'm done. I don't, I, you know, I'm good. And you're like, okay, well, what the heck? What do I do, God? And God's mm-hmm. like, what are you, like, the one thing we always know is going to be there is our walk with God, our relationship with God, the purposes and the will he has for us in our lives. Like, that's a relationship that has to be number one. I know one thing for me, I always look at, okay, what is number one in my life? What is the number one relationship? If I ever desire a human relationship before a relationship with God, then everything in my life is going to fall apart. 
the only healthy human relationships you can have are ones that are like number two in your life, right? Like yeah. if you're going to, if you want, if you want a yeah. relationship, you want to be married, that person will only ever be second place in your life. And that's the only way you can sustain mm -hmm. that. And when we promote this desire for marriage of, oh, do you desire to get married? And we create, it's not, that's not a bad question, but we've created such mm -hmm. a narrative around singleness and marriage that says, oh, if you, if you desire it, then deep down we're like, oh, well, then God must have, have it for him. Otherwise, he must not be good when it's like, okay, God has greater things. Focus on the desires that we know he has for everyone. Like the promises of he's done, you know, he's, he's planned things beforehand for us to do good works. He sings for him. That's a promise. Mm -hmm. That's something that we can look at anyone in the face and say, this is what God has for you. And I, I would love to see that being the narrative around how we deal with people to say, what are, what do you think those, what do you, what are those things that you believe God's putting on your heart? Those spiritual yeah. desires of encounters with people and, and bringing God glory. But I think at times we can get so stuck on like the relationships because I think we just have an unhealthy balance of it. And again, it's not a bad question, but it's, it should be the second question we ask people, right? Like, mm -hmm. because so often we, we don't ask any of the other questions when you say, okay, oh, do you desire to get married? And it's like, that's a great question, but oftentimes we only, we raise, we raise people in church, raise them up, only asking that question and not presenting the other questions of what do you think God's does, like, what are the things that God's placing before you to do for him? Like that's got to come first. And then that second question becomes a lot healthier because we have it in the right order. But yeah. Yeah. I love that because the reality is, is that the question that you're suggesting that we ask people, which is like, what is God placed in your heart? Well, actually when it comes to believing God for a spouse down the road or whenever that is in your life, if you're single, that other question needs to come first anyway. So I'll just use my life as an example. Like I have never been one to let grass grow under my feet, so to speak. Like mm -hmm. when the Lord calls, I, my desire is to be obedient to that and to follow. And I know that I have a very unique calling on my life. And I also have the desire to be married, but the calling trumps that desire mm -hmm. Because my calling in particular is very nomadic. And so, yeah, I can, you know, online date, meet people online and, you know, be like, oh, your life is totally different than mine. Your lifestyle is totally different. Like, well, mm -hmm. this is what God called me to. And so my obedience to him, the provision of a spouse will happen in line with that thing God already put in my heart to yeah. glorify him and like maximize the gifts he's given me if that is what he has for my future. And if it's not, it's still okay because I am falling in line and in sync with the plans and purposes he's put in my heart and what he's actually created me, breathed his life in me to do. And those things like work together. But I think it is a challenging um, perspective that you said, Josh, because it's, it's a question that um, yeah, we ask people the question about desire for husband and I don't, or husband or wife, and I don't think that's wrong mm -hmm, at I all. Agree. I just think yeah. that there's another question that goes with it. It's not as when people ask that question, it's not as juicy of an answer, though. You know, like <laughs> how how many people yeah. actually, like people I think <laughs> like the other answer better because the question of 
like that's a personal question, but also it's it's like a deep question that some people might not want to stick around and listen to because it might be wordy. It might get like, oh, I'm actually going to have to hear about your story in life. I'm going to actually have to sit down and, and maybe try to understand you more. And uh, yeah, I think I've seen in my own life where when I started asking myself those questions internally to say, even what do I desire more? Do I desire what God has for me more than I desire a relationship he might have for me? And that's where mm. I, once I had that narrative right in my own life, then it started to be like, okay, what do, how should I ask other people these questions? And you have to ask them in order of priority. And we know God is a jealous God. So there's no way he's going to give you a desire of your heart that's greater than your desire for him. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing he always showed me is because I growing up in church and, and idolizing marriage and, and strongly desiring it, God had to show me that even if I got that, it would be it wouldn't be good because it would have replaced him. And God is never going to if I'm truly following God and saying, Lord, I want to do your will. He will not give me a relationship that will take himself away from me. Now, if I stubbornly say, God, I want this, eventually he might give me over to that and be like, yeah, sure. I want you, I want this for you, but you are refuse to follow me. So here you go. Mm. Um, you know, and that's again, mm. the theology of that and all that. I, how is God, you know, what does God do in those situations? But eventually he's, he's not going to force you. It's, it's your free will to do things. Um, and I think it's just in those moments we choose a lesser version of God's will for our life because we want to trust ourselves a little bit more than him. Um, but God's a jealous God. Mm. He's not going to, if you, if you're single and you desire marriage, make sure you desire God's will more than marriage. Otherwise it will derail you and you will fall short of what God's called you to do because it's always going to pull you away from having the faith and trust to actually do what God's called you to do. And it's going to just stop you because you're like, I need this first. And God's like, trust me that I have it for you. You know, where it's, you know, and it talks about, you know, in Psalms, it says delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. That's not, you know, the way I see that verse is the desires of my heart can only be properly aligned when I delight in God first. Then I will get mm -hmm. the desires of my heart. It doesn't mean that if I delight in God, okay, that's like, my currency to get the desires of my heart. No, it says, mm -hmm. if I delight in God, mm -hmm. I will align myself with God's desires for my life. And then I will get them guaranteed because when I'm going, when I'm before God, he's going to filter everything in my life through his heart for me. And if I'm aligned with that, then eventually I'm going to realize that, yeah, even though I desire marriage, I might realize that there's so many greater desires that trump that, that God has on my plan his plan for me, eventually I'm like, oh, that's, I don't even think about that anymore because all these desires that God's fulfilling in me way out, outnumber that one desire. And again, I, I still, like, that's the way I see it. I can't worry about one desire in my life when God has so many for me. And that's, I, I always try to run it through that, that uh, sequence of, okay, Lord, what is, what do you have for me first? Here's the desire I have and I give it to you. Kind of going back to the verse you're sharing, Tom, about like, what are we anxious about? Give those yeah. desires to God and then see what he returns, mm. how he gives you peace in return. What is the peace that he gives you around those desires? And, and how does he, 
how does he grow you in that? But um, desires are a crazy thing to to process <laughs> with God, to give to God, to understand like, okay, Lord, you give me this desire. What do I do with it? Especially yeah. around singleness. Yeah. Bethany, do you feel like you've handed that desire over to God at any, at any particular point in your life? Yeah, I do. And I think, um, you know, again, I feel like I've, I don't know about you guys, but I've heard this a lot as a single person, which is like, once you really give that over to God, that's when your husband will show up. No, no, and it's like, I don't, I don't no, like, like that. stop, stop flipping, making that a formula. It's yeah. not Cliches. a formula. And I, I, I mm-hmm. yeah. oh, it's just, it's like, oh, once you really don't care, that's when, that's when your husband's going to pop up. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, actually stop preaching this false formula. Yeah. And, um, but I will say, I feel like it's been layers, like an onion a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. where there have been times when I'm like, God, I really give this to you. And it's like maybe part of my heart gives it to him. And then maybe I do it again and there's a little bit more of my heart. But I really do feel like I'm at a place probably three or four years ago now, um, very specifically, where it's not that I don't desire that anymore, but I just really feel like I fully surrender that. and. Yeah. Again, what that looks like for me doesn't mean I I don't like wonder or think or like keep my eyes open mm-hmm. for who it might be or whatever. But it's just more that it's not a distraction. It's not a focus point for me. It's just trusting that if that's what God has, it will happen in his time, in his way. And, um, you know, however he would orchestrate that. So, yeah. I, I don't know. It's but But I have done that and I think that is important and and something that, again, I'm, I'm cautious in how I say it because I don't, I don't want it to be like a formula. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm always very careful not to treat it like a formula. I mean, you know, part of my story was I did surrender to the Lord and, and I was like all in with the, the concept of a lifetime of singleness, but God did mm. introduce me to my wife two weeks later. That's, that's my story, but I, I'm not here to preach that as any magic formula. You know, I mean, I would love to... Right. I would love to believe that, you know, if I was, you know, at your place in life, that I would still have that, that joy in singleness like you do. And I think it's just awesome mm-hmm. just seeing how you're, you're glorifying God in that. And like, what, what's your encouragement to people who haven't been able to surrender it? Wow. Well, first of all, I would just say like, I recognize that's a hard place. Yeah. It's not a quick fix. Mm -hmm. It's not a painless place. For a lot of people, this is a topic that carries a lot of weight and emotion and pain. And, you know, I have experienced a lot of heartbreak in my life. I've experienced a lot of situations where I thought I had met the guy. It was, and then, you know, the rug was pulled out from under me kind of thing. And so I put yourself in good community with people. Yeah. Because if you're if you're not in a place where you can surrender, I think the one thing you can do wherever you're at is put yourself in community with people who are growing and learning in the right perspective of singleness and seeing it as a gift and not a burden and yeah, um, yeah and I, that for me that's been massive and I say that because one of my very best friends I mean she she would say to me today like wow I have watched you grow so much in this area. And Josh, this made me think, you said something that I've been thinking about since you said it is like, you know, some people get married for selfish reasons and some people get married for selfless reasons. Mm. 
And I think that's a huge, huge question to sit with yeah. in your singleness. If you're, if you're single and you're sitting there just desperate to be married, my question to you is, is that out of selflessness or selfishness? Because mm -hmm. I think if it's actually out, I think if your desire is outweighing everything else, like you were talking about, Josh, with this other question of like, the question of, you know, what's on my heart to do for God kind of thing. If your desire for singleness is outweighing that space, then most likely it's because you feel like you're lacking something in your own life. Because if you're approaching marriage from a selfless perspective, there's other ways that you can love people, not mm -hmm. just through a spouse. You know what I'm saying? So like if, mm -hmm. if I'm looking Absolutely. at going, I really desire marriage to be selfless. Well, guess what? I can serve the people around me like I could serve a spouse with love and unconditional love and the choice that it is to love someone, you know, through the good, the bad, and the ugly. Practice loving people in community yeah. and yeah. work on that. Work on like really take a, a pulse point of, why is your desire to be married so strong and really like speak to the Lord about that. One of my favorite things um, that I've learned in the last several years, it's not necessarily my upbringing in my own faith kind of denomination that I grew up in, but later on in life, I have learned that I can ask God questions mm -hmm. and guess what? He answers. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he answers very clearly. Sometimes he answers with silence. Sometimes he says, wait, some, you know, whatever. But I've learned to dialogue with God. And I think mm -hmm. that's important with these issues of like, sit there and, okay, why is my desire for this so strong? Yeah, what am I trying yeah. to fill? You know? Yeah. Easier said than done, but I think oh, those are totally. starting points. No, yeah. Definitely good questions well, to ask. One thing I want to kind of touch back on, um, and I felt like it was kind of starting to come up in conversation, just with like the narrative around singleness, um, and that's something God's really put on my heart, is we need to talk about singleness in a healthy way so that people grow up yeah. in a healthy way. And kind of just talking about, you know, when you're single, you can, if you want to get married for selfless reasons, to love people, the greatest love ever shown on this earth was from a single person, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. there, is no, yeah. there is no unlocking potential, this magic potential to love people more because you're married. Jesus did it as a single person mm -hmm. for the entire world. Yeah. And I think that can be something where single people can feel, I need to be married to, to, to love someone in the way that, you know, is, is, is the way God's made me. And it's like, Jesus did not get married and he loved people in a greater capacity than we could, that it's the cap capacity we strive to love people in. And I think we lack this promotion for single because we don't have a narrative around it that says you can love someone just as much if you're single or you're or you're married it's not your situation it's it's you choosing to selflessly love people mm -hmm. and i think it stems from this lack of really talking about jesus as a single person talking about paul as a single person talking about singleness as just as good as marriage like neither one of those things are whether you're single or married, those are earthly things. Paul talked about marriage being an, an earthly yeah. responsibility. Mm -hmm. How often is our narrative around that topic? How often does our narrative around marriage become a spiritual topic? And our narrative around singles become a, a topic we don't even really want to connect with spiritualness or anything. We just kind of don't, we don't even want to talk about it. 
So that's something that God's put on my heart is this narrative around singleness. Mm. First of all, we don't have one. So then we fill in the blanks with a lot of unhealthy cliches, as you talked about. Like that's the only thing we grew up he- hearing about singleness is, oh, just run after God and then look next to you and you'll find someone. Or or just yeah. all the single people <laughs> raise your hand and, oh, look around there, you'll find someone. Yeah. yeah. All these things. That's the only conversations we hear about singleness. So true. That's growing so up. So true. That's the only thing I ever heard. When's the last time you heard a conversation around singleness and Jesus being single, Paul being single, the promotion yeah. of singleness? And I don't, I'm not the guy, I, I, I'm not the promoter of, oh, singleness is better than marriage because, yeah, I want to be married. But God's shown me that I need to care less about both of those and more about my relationship with God. And then all the issues go away. It's still hard. It's still very difficult. Yeah. But the issues that stop me from growing, from seeking God, go away when I focus more on my relationship with him than any human relationship I can have. And that's helped me the most in in, in, in my singleness is caring less about marriage and caring less about singleness and, and kind of stripping it of this mm-hmm. idea that, oh, what is singleness? Oh, it must be a season and that's how I get through it. I don't think singleness is a season like mm-hmm. because the way I view singleness is it's not something huge in my life. It's, yeah, it's something I, you know, people might identify me with and I wrote a book on it. Like, so I identified myself with it on some level, but when it comes down to it, it is not the highest priority in my life. And it's not your core identity either. And it's not my core identity. And I think that's the narrative we need to start stripping out of the church is this priority of human relationships over your relationship with God and the desires that God's put on your heart between you and him and that first and foremost over anything else. Yeah. I think it's interesting. You guys, you guys brought up the identity thing because actually, if you look at our culture right now, it is a, is a war on identity. There's I'm this, I'm that it's labeling, whether it's sexuality or, you know, uh, I have a friend in ministry that told me she was demisexual the other day. And I'm like, I, I don't even know what that means, but mm-hmm. You know, but I just say that because there's such an overemphasis mm-hmm. in all of our culture on I identify as this and I identify this. We were talking about the Enneagram mm-hmm. earlier, kind of joking about it, but like throw that into the mix too. And it's like actually our identities in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He is where we find our life. And, and he says that when you die to yourself, you find full abundance in life in him. Mm-hmm. And so that is where our, our identity rests. And I think one of the things that really was a key moment for me in my singleness. And I don't remember who said this to me, but it is like a, something that I carry with me. They said one is a whole number. And Mm -hmm. I think if we look at the church and the narrative, because there is a narrative around singleness, Josh, it's just not a healthy one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that for me is the blanket statement of like me feeling like I'm not a whole person because I don't have a husband and I am, I'm single and therefore I'm less than, and there's something wrong with me. I'm weird. I don't fit in because I don't have a better half or another half. And especially as a woman in ministry, that is a whole different topic, Mm -hmm. but I can just tell you as a woman in ministry, the level of value from Christian leaders because I'm a single woman is not the same Mm -hmm. as women in ministry that have a husband as their counterpart. 
And that is another conversation that needs to be had in the church. And, you know, goodness knows there's a lot of things that we could do better at as the church right now. But I think a lot of this stems around our identity. And one of my favorite things about Jesus is the way that he valued people. Mm -hmm. So going back to my, I kind of am going to like play on words a little bit here, but I just said one is one is a whole number. Mm -hmm. And I want to take that even further and say that Jesus and this is what my ministry is about, and this is what I, I talk a lot about in my own ministry. Of Jesus went after the one. He was about the one. And I think during when COVID started for me, and you know, I had to pull back and kind of step out of the church, and we all couldn't go and all those things, Like the Lord said, I'm inviting you to, to learn how to feed on my word and to feed on me alone because I'm after the one, and I want to show you that my heart is for the one. And so I didn't know a year and a half later, he was going to call me to go overseas by myself and partner with ministries around the world, really to find ones quote ones that his heart is for. So I have countless stories of my life and travels of just trying to live like Jesus and focus on the one. And I'm saying it's a play on words because in singleness, we talk about, Oh, finding the one meeting the one. Yeah. You know, and one is a whole number. And guess what? Jesus is after the one. So whether you're single or married, he's still after you. He's after your heart. And I think as singles, it's hard to remember that we're pursued by the really the only one that matters. We're Mm -hmm. pursued by him every day. If we just pay attention and and can open our eyes and hearts and ears to see that, you know. That's great. Sorry, I went on a like soapbox. No, that was awesome. That was really great. (laughs) I love it. This is like a hot point for me, you know? <laughs> Definitely. I mean, now, what what are some of the most rewarding things that you've experienced in in your life in, in missions? Oh, man. You know, I think it's it's actually really, really the simple moments. I'm gonna, I yeah. want to share a story of something that happened to me last fall that has stuck with me and is something I think about almost on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I was on a train in London and I saw a homeless man walking down the train, tattered clothes, messy hair, and he was very loudly introducing himself and he said, hi, my name is Thomas. I am a drug addict. I'm homeless. I'm an alcoholic. I'm 35 years old. My life isn't where I want it to be. I'm just asking for 10 pounds for a warm bed, hot shower, and a hot meal. Would you give me money? And from the moment he started speaking, I felt like the Lord said, pay attention, listen to him. And as he got closer to me, I engaged with him and I said, hey, why don't you sit down next to me? And I said, tell me more of your story. And he began to unfold kind of how we got to this place. And I felt like the Lord was prompting me to give him money, except for that I looked in my wallet and the smallest note I had was a 20, which is like in US dollars, that's like, I don't know, 30 something dollars. Mm. I was like, well, it's God's money anyway. So (laughs) I'm going to give him this 20 pound note. Um, and I said, can I bless you? And I just looked at him and after hearing his story and I just looked at him and I said, you know, Thomas, God sees you and he's for you and he's with you. And he wants you to know he hasn't forgotten you. Uh And I handed him the money and I said, you know, bless you. And I got up to get off the train and he got up and he followed me off the train. And I looked at his face and he had tears in his eyes. And he said, what you don't know is that right before this, I was cursing your God. Mm. 
-hmm. I was screaming at him. I used to know him. I used to follow him. And I said, God, where are you? Why have you forgotten? Why have you forgotten me? And he looked at me and he said, God sent me you. And he gave me himself through you. And there were so many things in that moment where it was just like, God put me on the train, on the right car, in the right moment. And it was nothing special or formulaic or magical that I did except for open my ears and pay attention to where God might be at work around me. And it just made me wonder how many people do we know that are walking around cursing God under their breaths or even out loud? I mean, we're living in a volatile, polarized world in America right now in particular. I know a lot of people cursing God. Mm -hmm. And I watched this man go from disdain to wonder Mm. in an instant. And for me, I felt like the Lord said, Bethany, wonder is the beginning of worship. And when people have that moment of like, ah, whoa, oh yeah, maybe God is real. Maybe he does see me. Maybe he hasn't forgotten me. That is a starting point. And I think for me, the joy and privilege of just traveling and seeing people and meeting people where they are. I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to be in South Africa or Moldova or London to do that. You can do it in your own backyard. Yeah. Again, Jesus was about the one. And I, for me, I try to model my life in that way of just like, I always say that I want to be, I want to know when I can be interruptible and when I can't. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the life of Jesus, he was really good about being interrupted by people. And then he had moments where he wasn't where he needed to go off alone and have time with God on his own or, you know, kind of, and that's, again, that's a whole nother topic, but Mm -hmm. I think it's just the joy of just like following. It's so unpredictable. It's like the most amazing adventure with God because it's, you never know what's going to happen. That's awesome. That is incredible. So what is a way that me and the listeners can be praying for you? Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I just, I feel like my ministry is a ministry of invitation. Mm-hmm. So I would just say in praying for me, like my prayer is that you would also really focus on where God is stirring in your own life. Cause he's always stirring something in us. We just have to pay attention. Yeah. You know, I always say God is speaking. The question is, are we listening? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we just have to create space to listen. So I think that prayer is just like, actually, I would just want to turn it back on people and say, what is your connection with God look like? Is it a lifeline? Does it feel like a burden? Like, and, and, and reach out to somebody if it is a burden, there's people out there, spiritual directors like myself and others Hmm. who want to have these conversations with people. That's awesome. And so as we wrap it up, uh, what is a favorite verse or a verse that has been on your heart lately? Oh gosh, so many good ones. But this is one of my lifelines is Joshua 3, 5. And it says, um, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. I already kind of hit on the word wonder, but the idea being of like, set yourself apart for God and just wait with like anticipation and expectation. I always encourage people to come to God with not linear expectations, but with an expectancy to say, God, move and breathe however you want. 
I'm in it for that. I'm in it for the Mm -hmm. way you want to do it. And like sort of, yeah, set yourself apart with him, like create space for him and watch him blow your mind with who he is and the things that he will do in your life and the way that he will use you to bless and encourage others. Awesome. And then how, how can the listeners find you on social media and the hope adventure? Yeah, so I have got a, a website, thehopeadventure.com, and then you can find me on Instagram at The Hope Adventure and also on YouTube at The Hope Adventure. So pretty easy to find once you remember that name. All right, awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us. It's been such a blast having you here and just hearing about how God's been working in your life and working in your heart and just the incredible adventures that he's been taking you on. So, you know, we'll be, we'll be praying for you and, and thanks again so much for joining us for this episode. Thanks for having me. It's been awesome. Absolutely. So yeah, everybody out there, uh, be sure to like subscribe, check out what we have on our Instagram, TikTok, and we try and keep some exciting stuff on there from time to time, but, uh, be sure to check out Josh's book. It is sincerely singleness available on Amazon. And uh, be sure to tell your friends about this podcast, anybody you think that might benefit from hearing it. So in the meantime, be sure to get out there and seize the day. Maximize every chapter in your life. We'll see you next episode. Thanks for listening to the Thriving in Singleness podcast. Look for new episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. 